First Corinthians, if you've been with us any time, or if this is maybe your first or second week with us, uh, we've been working through First Corinthians, and uh, we're at the end of the chapter today, and uh, of chapter 15, that is, and we um, have been working quite a bit. There's a lot of content here, so I'm going to warn you, uh, it's going to be more of a flyover today. There's a ton of content here. There's a ton to look at. So um, in your Oasis groups, in your Bible studies, in your personal time, just take some time and really read this over because there's way more here than we'll even be able to touch on today. So we'll try to get onto the, the big ideas uh, and hopefully we'll we'll learn something out of it as well. Uh, Phil did a great job last week as he always does of uh, helping us understand uh, the first part of this message. We'll be starting at uh, verse 35 and go to the end of the chapter today. And I've titled today's message, uh, Abounding in the Work of the Lord, or Abound in the Work of the Lord. Uh, that's based on uh, verse 58, which uh, Jesse read for us a little bit ago. And uh, I really appreciate that this verse because there's a lot that is contained really in that promise. It's our hope that's in Christ. It's our hope that's in the resurrection. So, uh, let's take a few minutes here. Let's read this long passage, and um, then we'll get into it a little bit more. So starting at verse 35 in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body... That is to be but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, and another for animals, and another for birds, and another for fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from death, a man of dust, and the second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, 
imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Amen. Go home now. There's a lot there. <laughs> I, I really like verse 58. Um, the Amplified Version says, uh, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than what is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, is not futile, it's not wasted, it is never without purpose. What I hope for us to learn today through our brief flyover of the rest of 15 through this long passage is that we need to keep standing strong in God's work, that we need to keep going on in God's work, and what we do is important. We're going to find in this passage that death has no power. If you read chapter 15, we'll... You should come to that conclusion. But death is a serious thing. Death is very serious. Um, and if there is no resurrection, then what we do is pointless. And I think Phil really pointed that out for us last week, uh, that if we have no resurrection, then we might as well just get to partying and get to living because we're going to end up dying anyways. Um, and a big portion of what we do every day is about not dying. You know, if you think about it, why do we eat? And why do we buckle our seatbelt? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. My car dings at me constantly, so I buckle it. Um, so uh, you buckle your seatbelt, you buckle your kids into their car seats, you uh, take your medicine that maybe keeps you alive, because if you don't, you're going to die. And unfortunately, it's guaranteed that 100% of us will die. That's pretty much a guarantee in life. Uh, and no matter how old you are, at some point, likely, you're going to die. Uh, it's just a fact. I'm sorry to tell you that. Um, we're almost numb to it. I don't mean to, to jest at that, but it's going to happen. So if you think of it like that, you better focus on living because one of these days you're going to die pretty soon. You know, the other day I, I saw an ad for burial plots, and I thought to myself, man, that's the last thing I need. <laughs> <laughs> But all joking aside, death is a serious thing. That's why today our text is on this very important subject of resurrection. You know, as this idea of what resurrection is that you will become alive again. It's a wonderful concept. After you die, you will live again. And we're not talking about ghosts or zombies like what we see on TV and what's been sensationalized through all of the TV shows uh, it's really, truly having the the same uh, realization that we have now is what resurrection is. It's not this undead uh, concept that we see with zombies walking around and those gross creatures that they make up on TV. 
So Paul's wrapping up this letter to the Corinthian church, and he brings up this issue because of how essentially important resurrection is to us as a church. And again, just as Phil shared last week, if we don't get this, if we don't believe resurrection, then what we're doing here is pointless. And since you're still here this morning, since you came back after Phil's message last week, I'm going to assume that you believe in resurrection, and then we can study through uh, what Paul has the rest of us for here. Um, so what we believe is that Christ is indeed resurrected, and then we ourselves are eligible, eligible to be resurrected as well. So the first question that Paul raises is, how are the dead raised? That's what he says in verse 35, how are the dead raised? How, what kind of body do they come? How is this even possible? You know, when you're dead, you're dead. That's what we see in the culture. And Paul's saying, to say this is not possible, or how is it even possible, must be an impossibility, is to be very short-sighted. It's not to understand what the Christian faith is all about. Uh, he talks about this idea of a seed. This is in verse 37, we talk about this, what you sow is not the body, but a bare kernel, uh, a seed that you throw in the ground. If you look at uh, John uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 24, it gives us a great picture. It says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, I, it's hard to find seeds this time of the year in Ohio. I found some uh, corn. And if you take corn, this probably won't work. It's been refrigerated and frozen and everything. But if you take corn and you throw it in the ground, um, it should grow uh, corn stalk out of it. And uh, you know, this on its own is pretty much pointless. I think corn's pretty pointless in itself. I don't really care that much for corn or corn on the cob. I'm kind of a boring person. It doesn't taste very good to me. It's usually pretty bland. But you throw it in the ground and you have these huge... Uh, fields of corn that are, that are out there. It's used for all sorts of different products in in our life. And uh, so what Paul is saying, if you take this seed and you put it in the ground, something grows from it. Of course, we know that. You know that if you if you garden or if you uh, have done any type of farming, you know that the seed is going to grow into something uh, better than what it is now. At this point, it's just you know nothingness. It's it, it's nothing. It gives us this idea of what we are now. We're just, if you just think, if I'm just a seed now, if I'm just a kernel of corn, how much more will I be when I'm resurrected? I have to die to become alive again in Christ to, for this resurrection. What says, what kind of body will this person have? It's not going to be this ghost premonition thing that they have on TV or, or zombie. Um, it's Again, that visual of the the plant growing into the uh, into the corn stalk. There was I found a great graphic. I wasn't able to get it up here on the screen for you, but seeing the seed grow into a, a corn stalk is is really neat. You think of the the tree. You, know, you throw a tiny seed like that into the ground, and it grows into these great big trees. You know, the, where I grew up, we had these massive trees, or huge trees. Uh, they're over a hundred feet tall, and it's just amazing to me that a tiny little seed can grow into these trees that are 
you know, just out of this world huge to me, even as uh, at my age, or, you know, they seemed really tall when I was a little boy, but even now they're still huge. They seem to keep growing taller and taller. You know, the, the sea that that uh, produces something that huge is just is amazing. And just a, if we can get that concept in our mind, uh, that's what the resurrection is like. So this, the seed has to die so that it has to grow. If you think the seed has to go in the ground and the, the pieces, the, the little kernel of corn, all that has to break down. That's the first little piece of fertilizer for that seed so it has something to grow out of. You know, you have to get to die to become that great tree or that, that corn stalk. That's the concept there. We have to be die to be resurrected again. Uh, that's the point. What we have now is just to get us ready for what is to come. Um, we have to understand that the body that we have coming is going to be is different. What we have now is different. Uh, it's unlike this this idea of this the cow or, or dog. We're we're different in Christ. God has given us something special here with Him, and He's able to change us in uh, in in this resurrection. I was thinking through this and how this relates to our culture and their idea of death. You know, I think our culture is telling uh, our kids, it's telling us that there's nothing after death, that this is it. When you die, you go in the ground, and there's nothing left of you. You're no better than a dog or a cat or a fish or something. We, we have no regard for you after you die. There's nothing to come. Um, and you think about that in light of the, the many suicides that we heard from um, out towards Maslin and just how... Um, just how heartbreaking those are for those kids. They just have no regard of death. And where does that where does that come from? They have no regard of life and what happens after. There is something that happens after you die. And the idea that comes in the culture I see is if you have no control over this life, the only control that maybe you have is you can control how you die or when you die. Because... If there is nothing after death, then I can control how I end my life. So I don't have to worry about it anymore. I can be done. I finally finally had control in my last act is in life. And then I'm annihilated. I can rot in the ground because there's no resurrection for me. That's what our culture teaches us. You know, I found this, um, this video that we're going to watch, I think, really helps us understand this concept of what the world uh, thinks of death. We have some great media guys back there. Really happy that they do a great job.
Well, the video doesn't answer the question because it's not really for the video to answer the question. It's for we have the truth here at the church to answer the question for them. It shows us that there is a question out there. Is there life after death? And we have the answer in Christ that we're not just somebody who can just will just die in the ground. There is something coming. We can get into the, the doctrine of, uh, of hell and what is coming if you don't have a relationship with Christ. But we also need to talk to them about the hope that we have in Christ, the hope of eternal life and a new body and, and a new life in Christ. That's what the hope that we have to offer in Christ. And so to allow there to be a continual teaching of there is no resurrection, there is nothing to come, because it's impossible. It's, you know, it's chemically impossible for us this to happen. We need to be reminded, as Paul does here, that not all flesh is the same, that God has a special plan for us as humans that we can be resurrected again, because he's going to grow us like a seed from this, this old body. He's going to change us into something new. We're not just a dog that dies and gets buried. It gets uh, in the ground. I can think of many pets that I had that would just just died. You know, I'm never never going to see them again. But I can think of those who have passed away that are near and dear to me that I know that I'll see again because I have a I have a hope in the resurrection that they will be there with me. Second uh, Corinthians five. Um, if you have some spare time in uh, your week next week, maybe you go and read this a little bit deeper. Uh, I love this passage. This has been reminded to me several times by uh, Christians in my life who were ready to pass. Uh, usually it's it's sad to me, but it seems like I, I've known a lot of Christians who go to 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5, and they read this scripture. They say, I'm ready to go home. Uh, it says, for we know that at the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house that is not made with hands, eternal in heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but we would be further clothed. So what is mortal will be swallowed up by life, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You know, we're going to be changed. We're going to get rid of this old earthly home where we live in this body. We're going to give it up, and we're going to be changed into a new body. You know, these bodies are only guaranteed to last for a lifetime, which isn't very long. You know, that that lifetime guarantee, what's that about 100 years these days? Maybe sometimes even a lot less than that. We're going to rise out of death with a purpose in Christ, a new purpose. We have a purpose now in Him, and even in death there is a purpose that comes out of that because we'll be in the presence of God when we rise. Paul further explains this, of how this, to maybe understand this for us, Starting in verse 42. It says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. So us now is perishable. But what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. That's the, the sinful body that we live in. And then we are raised in glory. That's salvation right there. We're all descendants of Adam, right? 
Adam sinned, he ate the fruit in the garden, and now we have sin transferred to us. That's a, that's a whole sermon series right there that I just kind of went through in two seconds or less. We have this natural body, and God will give us a spiritual body after this. Without Christ, we're all destined to die in our sin and to be eternally separated from God. But here we find a promise and a hope that whatever is wrong in this body, that sin, that's the just the breakdown of whatever diseases that corrupt our bodies, that just destroy our bodies, is going to be we're finally free of all the junk that affects our bodies here on earth, and we'll have a new body in Christ. We washed away, we'll be cleaned up, we'll be a, we'll have a brand new slate. We won't hurt anymore, and everything here on earth is temporary to us. You just wait a minute, it's going to change and again. Whatever's happening will change. If you don't have an ache and pain today, you're going to have an ache and pain probably tomorrow. Something new is going to happen. So this is the first man in, in, in verse 47. So the first man was from earth, a man of dust. And the second man, that's Christ, that he's from heaven. And he comes and saves us from this sinful body that we live in, this sinful earth that we live in. Says, as the man in verse forty, as the man of dust, also those are who are of dust. So we're of dust. We're of, we are the natural body. We're the 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 seed that God uses, and then God comes and changes us. So those who are of heaven, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will we will the promises bear the image of the man of heaven. So as we bear the image of Adam, so in death we will bear the image of God in resurrection. Philippians 3.20, another great passage that correlates along with this, says our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I just, I think it's amazing that he takes these broken people that we are. I mean, who am I as a man that God would want to save us? You know, I'm nobody special. And want to change us into somebody glorious, want to resurrect us. But that's what he does. That's the hope that we have here in our faith that we can tell others around us, that we can live in, that we can celebrate. And this is what what and why we do what we do as Christians. This is why we do what we do here at Wellspring. It's the first Adam. He's from this earth. And he was not capable. What he gave us was not capable to make us spiritual, to make us resurrected. And we know as Christ came to this earth to make us capable, to make us capable of having a life with him after this. So this body must die so we can put on the new body. Because this earthly body, what we have from Adam, can't produce without God its power, the spiritual. So just as Adam gave us natural life, we're here because of Adam. And we will continue to be with Christ because he gives us a spiritual body after this. 
Adam can't do anything for the germination. All, if we were just up to Adam, we would just die in the ground. There would be nothing. We would be no better than a dog. But God gives us something better after that. And it's really the reason why is because it's simple genetics. If you think about it, we have to be changed into a different family so that we can become alive again in Christ. We have to be put in God's family. And we are. That's the hope that we have here in Christ. So now that we're in the family of God, and then we could, we could have another sermon series on what that takes and uh, being adopted in, being grafted in. There's a lot of imagery that the Bible uses. And I'd love to talk to you with you more explanation about that. But here again, we're just doing a, a flyover of it, you know, a, a 30,000 foot view way up above in the clouds of this passage today. And it says, starting in verse 50, it says, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So how, if we just if that's all the information we had in this passage, we would be futile. This would be worthless. Just there wouldn't be anything for us to do. We we can't change ourselves. But there's this mystery that happens. It says we shall not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, and the imperishable will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. There's a lot there in those verses. But we, this is the truth that we can take from that today without going too far into what does that look like, or what's the question, or how is that going to happen, and all the technicalities that we can get into in those verses. But Death must happen in some way. This body has to die in some way to receive the inheritance of eternal life. We must put this aside so we can have eternal life with Christ. We're finally going to be free of all the terrible things that are in this life, but to receive this inheritance, something miraculous, something very powerful has to happen for this to work. There's nothing that we can do because we're mortal and we have to take on the immortality, and only that happens because of Christ. Just again, as the imagery, just as the seed grows from the dead shell, we have to die, become the true life in Christ, the, the resurrected body that God intends for us. And we can't receive this inheritance without some type of death of ourselves. We have to die. This body has to go away so that we can happen, so this can happen. So death is not the end for the believer. We need to understand that. We need to believe that. We need to grab onto that. But it's actually just the beginning for us. It's just like boot camp right here. I don't know what comes next. We have God's given us a, a brief picture of it. We don't know everything that is to come next. But it is no longer scary when we die. It's it's a new beginning. It It takes on a a whole new idea for us when we really grasp that concept. Not that we walk around with this idea like, I need to go be with God today. That's, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to say here. But we have a purpose here, and we don't have to be scared of what's to come next because death has already overcome it. 
It's up to God when he decides to say, okay, now it's time for you to be transformed. Because he has been victorious over death, and through him we are victorious over death. We no longer have to fear it. You know, think about it. Really just, if we can really grasp this concept, if we weren't afraid of death, if death was really a good thing, would that change what you did every day? And I'm not saying go stand out in the middle of traffic. I'm saying, would we really change things? If we, do we really get that concept? You know, it's, sometimes it's all about trying to be comfortable in life, trying to feel better. And if it wasn't about just trying to feel good in this life, and it was really about what does God have me to do because I've got an even better life coming. We could really do anything that we felt the Lord wanted us to do if we weren't worried so much about dying. Because it wouldn't be about us, it wouldn't be self-centered. Because we likely chase after things that make ourselves more comfortable to have better careers and better houses and better cars and the better things that we have here in our American culture. Well, death is actually a positive thing for the Christian. It's not, we will miss that person. Like I said before, there's people that I, I miss. There's people that I desire that they were still here so that I could spend time with them. But I'm also happy for them because I know that when they went, it was time for them. They no longer had a happy life anymore. There wasn't, they were in pain. They, it was time for them to die. And I will see them again. They who have passed on have so much more than I have right now. They, they see so much more. They're, they're so much healthier than I am, which is crazy to even think. But the only way that we get this inheritance is through Christ, and that's through this resurrection that Christ gives us. Once this happens... You know, we, I think a lot of us know this popular um, poem that's here is, um, Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's the, the common verse that's read at the Christian funeral. Where, where is your sting, death? Because once, once it's gone, there's no power over us. It doesn't, doesn't hurt like it did anymore. Because we have victory over death now. And no matter what, we don't have to be scared of death. Because what's the worst that'll happen? Well, I'm going to go be with I'm going to go be with Jesus. I'm going to go be with my Father now. If death is the worst thing that happens to us, if we really believed that we we're going to go be with our Father in heaven, then there's really nothing left to fear. But I know in my own self, even with this truth in my life. I'm I'm a control freak myself. I want to control everything because I don't like unknowns. I want to know what's coming, and I like to uh, be able to control that. I like to know how I will live. I want to know what's happening tomorrow. I want to know what's happening next week, and I want to I want to know how I'm going to die. You know, I don't want to die in pain. I don't want to get hit by a train. I don't want that stuff to happen. That doesn't sound pleasant. I want this life to go according to my plan. So if everything in this world is temporary, everything's going to change, how are we ever going to gain control over everything because everything's changing for us? You know, things change so fast and we grasp for some type of sense of control over our life. 
And when we think we have control, we've already lost control again. It's just we never truly have any type of control over it. And in those who seem like they have control over it, whether they be the you know, most powerful politicians of the world, they really don't have any control over what's happening next. You know, no amount of medicine is going to keep you alive if you want to, and no amount of anything that you try to do is going to be able to control your life because you're not in control of it. And when you say, okay, I'm not in control of my life anymore, I'm going to take my life, because now that, that's something I can control. It just shows that you've lost control because you haven't put your life into the control of Christ, your Father. The very reason that we grasp for control and we look for substances and, and things to help us have control is because we haven't given our life into God's control. Now, there's few things in this life that's a guarantee. But there is a guarantee in the resurrection of Christ. That is a guarantee that if you put your trust in Christ, if you put your life in the hands of the Savior, you will be resurrected. If you believe that Christ has power over death, then we can take this promise to heart in verse 58. I'll read it again for us. I just love this verse. It says, Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Think of what is the work of the Lord. Not trying to control our own lives. It's not getting lost in all the things that we have to do. Even, even this building is not necessarily the work of the Lord. We can do the Lord's work in this building, but if God took this building away, if He took away the chairs and all the, the cold media we had and the great lights and the sound system, that's, that's not really what God wants from us. He wants us to have a relationship with Him and then we can lead others in a relationship with Him. That's the work of the Lord. Everything else is just extra fluff. That is something worth doing. Our mission statement clearly states at Wellspring here that our whole goal for what we do and why we spend money and why we go out and why we meet here every Sunday is that every man, woman, and child within our footprint here or wherever we go as, as somebody who says, I'm of Wellspring, make sure that they have a repeated opportunity to hear the gospel, that every time that we go out and every time that we come in, that there is a repeated opportunity that you hear the gospel, that you have an opportunity to respond. As, as you go out, as everybody around you have a repeated opportunity to hear the gospel from you, not just as a representative of Wellspring, but as a representative of Christ. That's the work of the Lord. You know, if you're questioning how we do that, you know, we, we think of, of ways that we can engage our culture. You look at our fancy banners over here, but for ways to engage our culture, we do that so often here. We want, we want them to come and embrace our church community here. We want them to come in and connect with us so that they know that they're loved and they have something of value. 
And finally, we want to encounter our, our friends, our family who don't know the Lord, encounter them with Jesus. Because that's what we're all about. We can do that because there's a resurrection. Because if there's no resurrection, then it's pointless to even be here today. Because what we have and what we do is not in vain because there is a resurrection in Christ. There's so much in this passage today. And my hope is that maybe we understand it a little bit better. I didn't really even dive in as deep as I would like to, but it's a little bit more than a flyover of this passage. But take some time this week. Please read chapter 15. If you meet with an Oasis group or a Bible study, really think through what this means, the life-changing message that's here. Uh, My prayer is for you today and this week that you find encouragement in the fact that your work on the Lord is not in vain, that there is a resurrection, that you have a purpose At Wellspring, you have a purpose in Christ. That God doesn't make mistakes. You're here for a reason. You're here on this earth for a reason. So I challenge you, as you think about the week to come, as your day to come, walk with us here at Wellspring. We're here. We want to be on a mission that our work is not in vain. That we continue to abound in the work of the Lord. Do you want to work in the do you want to abound in the work of the Lord? Abounding just means doing more and more, just continually on and, and just till you're exhausted in the work of the Lord. I want to do that together. I want to walk with you because that's our purpose, because we have a resurrection and we'll be resurrected with Christ. As the worship team comes, I just want to pray for you, pray over you, that we will abound in the work of the Lord that we will have a hope in the resurrection. Father, help us. Help us abound in your work, Father. I pray that you would help us realize the resurrection, the promise of resurrection in our lives and what that means for us. There's so much here contained in this passage, Father. So many promises so many things that I pray, Lord, that you would not constrain us by time to understand them, that you would give us a passion to learn it, to to grow through it, to, to go grow closer to you, Father, through your word, through this chapter 15, Father. There is so much here. I just pray that you would Help us to understand it. Give us a desire to read and get to know you, Father. Uh, As we worship now, Father, I pray that it would be from hearts who desire to be near you and that you would be with us and that you would show us the power of your resurrection in our life.